That worked. Just not saying anything. Wow. All right. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> no, don't say that. Uh, all right. Um, hey, open your Bibles. All right, let's do this. Um, so open your Bibles to John chapter 10. There's a Bible in the seat back in front of you. Uh, and we're going to be on page 896. So near to the end if you're new to the Bible. So John chapter 10. We'll have the words up here on the screen for you as well. Um, but before we, before we jump into that, let's say a quick prayer from Psalm 119, and then we'll get caught up. Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we might behold your Son, that we might behold wonderful things out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, one day, Jesus is walking with his disciples. He's walking along with his disciples, as he would, and he sees a blind man begging there by the side of the road. And his disciples see this blind man as a great opportunity not to show mercy, but to engage in a theological debate, <laughs> as we do. Right? And they say, Jesus, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents? There's kind of a lot of assumptions there, right? And Jesus says, no. And he walks over to the man and he spits. Oh, not on the man. Okay. He spits on the ground and he bends down and he makes mud with the spit and the dirt. And he takes the mud and he rubs it in the blind man's eyes and tells him to go take a bath. And the man does. He goes and he washes and he comes back seeing. And as you can imagine, this would cause quite a stir. Because everyone's used to like going to Walmart or whatever and this man's begging outside the door and now all of a sudden you're at Walmart and the man's shopping and he's shopping and then he's getting in his car and he's driving home you know this would be a shocking thing to see a man born blind just walking around living his life and so they reported to the authorities the Pharisees and the Pharisees response as usual is not wow but when 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 did this so-called miracle happen? Saturday. We knew it. Must be that Jesus again. The lawbreaker. The one who heals on the Sabbath. Right? It must be, he must be insane. He must be, you know, possessed by a demon. That's how he's doing these miracles. But by this point in the gospel, like, people aren't as convinced with this narrative. Okay? Because they're like, it says pretty clearly in the Old Testament, only God can open the eyes of the blind. So this doesn't seem like demon work, right? We think maybe this man's from God. And so the Pharisees, they go and they interrogate the man. And then in this sad but sort of funny scene, they interrogate the man's parents. And they're like, uh, they, they don't want to get kicked out of church, right? So they're like, uh, you know, he's a big boy. He can speak for himself. So we don't know. Go talk to our son. And so they go and they talk to the blind man again. And he says, listen, all I know is that once I was blind, and now I can see. 
That's, that's all I know. Why don't you go talk to him? Do you want to be his disciples too? You know, and so and they're getting mad, and he's like, "Listen, he he has to be from God." And they get so enraged that they kick him out of the community, they shun him. And and it's sad. The man's parents don't come for their son. Who seeks out the blind man? It's Jesus, right? He leaves the ninety-nine, and he goes after the one, and he finds him, and he reveals himself to him who he really is, the Son of God, the Christ. And the man sees who Jesus really is, and he worships, he believes. And Jesus said, this is why I came. This is why I came, that the blind would see, and those who think they can see would become blind. And the Pharisees, apparently they're standing around, this is the end of chapter 9, and they're like, oh, so we're blind too? And Jesus is like, well, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And we pick up chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own sheep, he goes before them, and his sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, which is a translation of a word that can mean parable or riddle, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Verse 7, so Jesus expands the parable. Verse 7, so Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved from the thieves and robbers and will go in and out and find pasture. May God bless the reading of his word. So if you are new... We are journeying together, not chronologically, through the Gospel of John, so not from chapter 1 to 21. We are journeying thematically through the Gospel of John. So if you remember, we began with the seven miracles, the seven signs in the Gospel of John. Uh, And then we talked about the conversations with Jesus, confrontations with Jesus, and now we're in this volume, which is the seven I am's. The I am statements, and we're on the door. And often, as we've seen, these I am statements follow the signs, right? So Jesus feeds the 5,000 with bread and fish and then says, I am the bread, right? I am the bread of life, right? Or another example, Jesus, you know, raises Lazarus from the dead and then said, I am the resurrection and the life. Look past the sign and see me. And today... Jesus follows up 
healing a blind man with a parable. The only parable in the Gospel of John. And a parable is what? A parable is a story that only those with eyes to see can understand. Right? A parable is a story that only those with eyes to see can understand. And this is why uh, the Pharisees, the authorities, they don't understand the parable, do they? They don't understand this figure of speech. Why don't they understand? They don't understand because they think they understand. They don't understand because they think they already understand. They know that the the shepherd is the Lord God of Israel. But they also think they're the shepherds, right? They're the leaders of Israel. They're the experts. They're not the learners. They're not the sheep, right? So they don't understand. And because they don't see that the shepherd is literally standing in front of them, right? The Lord God, the shepherd of Israel, is literally standing right in front of them. They don't see that what they have become is not shepherds, but actually thieves and robbers. Thieves and robbers. They are the strangers, as Jesus calls them, of the parable. They are the ones casting the true sheep, the blind man, out of the fold, While Jesus is restoring the blind man to community, and then when he's kicked out, he's seeking him out when he's cast out and he's lost, right? They think they're the shepherds, but they're actually fleecing the sheep. They think they're the shepherds, but they're thieves. They're self-deceived. They are blind guides. We have to be so careful. We have to be so careful, don't we, about thinking we got God all figured out. (laughs) We have God all figured out. We can be just like these Pharisees. I know I can. I mean, just honestly. uh, I remember we're going into the seven I am's. This is about the identity of Jesus. My first thought, seriously, I know this. (laughs) I know this, right? I went to seminary. I have a master's in Godology, okay? I know all about this All right? Like, he's the door. He's the one way to salvation. How can I make that cute? You know? Like, he's he's the shepherd. He's God. I get it. Done. Boom. I see. Do I really? Do we really? Because the longer I lingered with this text, the more I began to see, like, this world is full of thieves. This world is full of thieves and families Businesses, politics, churches, even social media, stealing time, stealing money, stealing attention, stealing innocence, stealing, thieving, robbing, wreaking havoc on the sheep, wreaking havoc on communities. Strangers you don't know and who don't know you just want a piece of you. They don't know you. They're strangers. And the scariest part for me was as I sat with this, recognizing, like, if I became a thief, I probably wouldn't even know it. These guys had no idea. They didn't understand. i got to pace myself. I'm, like, preaching already. We're in the introduction. Okay. Uh, All right. So we got a picture of a sheepfold here. A really cool picture. Um, Heath and I were geeking out over pictures of sheepfolds this week. So that's what we do during the week. What do you guys do during, not on Sundays, we geek out over pictures of sheepfolds. That's what we do. Um, and this was a really cool one. And so this would have been a very common sight 
in ancient Israel, okay? Like, we see a sheepfold today. We're like, oh, a sheepfold. There's sheep, you know? Maybe it's a petting zoo. Let's bring the kids. Like, it's a, it's a sight, you know? This would have been a very average, everyday sight. been like driving past a gas station, okay? You wouldn't think anything of it. It's just a normal, normal sight you see all the time. And Jesus would likely have had a very large one of these in mind. They had small ones out in rural areas, but then they had large, one, large ones in, in the city, in the village. Um, because, as we can see, there's a, there's a doorkeeper. And you'd only pay to have a doorkeeper if you had a large sheepfold with multiple flocks present. Okay? And the way that it would work is that a shepherd would come through the door, and then you know, his sheep would hear his unique call. They would hear uh, his unique call, their name, and that they would come. And what would the other sheep do that were not part of his flock? Right? They would scatter. They would run away because that's a stranger. They don't know him. And the shepherd would then lead his sheep out, as this man is doing, lead them out to the freedom of the pasture to graze, and then lead them back into the safety, to the security of the fold. We get this picture of freedom and security going in and out through the door. It's this picture of an abundant life. The Lord is my shepherd, right? And so what's, what's going to happen if this guy sees you on the other side climbing over the rock wall? What's going to happen? You're going to get like a slingshot to the face, right? This guy doesn't mess around, right? That's a really suspect, shady thing to do, to not be using the door, but just climbing over the rock wall on the side, you don't do that. Like, if I invite you over to my house, please knock on the door, right? You start climbing in through a window. I'm not going to be like, who is it who's climbing through the window, you know? I'm not going to do that. I'm not a gun guy, but it's not going to go well for you. You start crawling in through the window. But let's say you make it in. What are my kids, the sheep, what are they going to do? They're going to run away. Stranger danger. We've taught them to do that, right? They're going to go away, okay? Except my middle daughter, Avila. She's something else. She's got boundaries, you know? I don't know. She might kneecap you. Different story. Um, Stranger danger. They don't know you. And, and Jesus is explaining something that's like obvious to everyone here. They all know how sheep folds work. It'd be like me just walking up on stage and I'm like, you know, when you use the gas station... You take out the pump and you put your card in and then you put it in there and you'd be like, what's the deeper meaning here? Like, what are we talking about? That's, <laughs> that's what's happening. Everyone knows how this works. And they're like, what is the deeper meaning that you're getting to here? The Pharisees don't understand what he means by climbing in another way. Okay, I get how, how climbing in a sheep, but what do you mean climbing in another way? Well, to enter the sheepfold by the door, as he says here, to enter the sheepfold by the door in verse 1 through 5 is to have the authority to access the sheep. Okay? You have the authority to come in through the door. The doorkeeper is going to let you in, the gatekeeper. We still have that language, right? They're going to let you in. You have the authority to access the people. Okay? The people of, of Israel. Right? So let's take a close-to-home analogy, like literally what's happening right now in this room. I have been given authority to access you, right? Like the leadership of VCC on behalf of, behalf of you, the membership of VCC, have given me authority to access you, authority to this pulpit, 
to access you. Even if you're a guest today, even if you're watching online, this is your first time watching, I've been given this authority to access you, right? The question is, am I using the door? Am I using the door? Now, I don't mean like, did I climb through a window this morning or is Heath like incapacitated right there and I rushed the stage? <laughs> like, or did I go through the proper channels? It's not what I'm saying. The Pharisees, I'm sure they used the proper channels to leadership, but they didn't use the door. They didn't use the door. So that brings us to our big question in this text. What is the door? What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the door? He's not only the shepherd, as we'll examine further next week, but he is the door. He is the door of the sheep. The door of the sheep. If any sheep, he says in verse 9, enter by him, they will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I'm going to lean hard into this, okay? A door is the means by which we go in and out. Duh, right? A door is a means of access, entrance, outrance, exit. That's not a word, okay? Actually, this in and out, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see this a lot. But the most important reference here is found all the way back in the book of Numbers, okay? And it's a prayer from Moses. He knows he's not going to enter into the promised land, okay? So he does a prayer that God would raise up a shepherd to replace him. That God would raise up a leader to replace him. And I'll read you a snippet of this passage. So this is Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 to 18. And listen to this in and out language, okay? Verse 15. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. Sound familiar? So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. So Moses prays, for a shepherd to lead Israel when he's God, when gone. <laughs> and God so loves Israel that he gives Joshua, the son of Nun. And what is Joshua in Greek? It's Jesus, right? Jesus is the greater Joshua, the greater answer to this prayer. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, who is the shepherd not just of Israel, but of the whole world world and not only the shepherd then but the door itself the way that we go in to the security of the fold and where we go out to the freedom of the pasture how we go in to the security of the fold and out to the freedom of the pasture if we're looking for true freedom if we're looking for true security for abundant life where do we find it jesus true security true abundance is found in Jesus. Jesus is the door. True security, true freedom are found only in Jesus. And get this, his way. It's a door. His way of servant leadership. We're going to talk about this for a while. We're going we're to go deep. So buckle up. Okay, stay with me. Stay with me. Think about this. I am the door. Leaders are like doors. Leaders are like doors, right? The shepherd and the door image are two different images to convey very similar truths. 
Leaders like doors are the means of access to the things we need, right? When we are lacking in security and safety, when we are lacking in freedom, where do we go? We trust in leaders. Or we trust in leaders to provide those things. We all need security and freedom. What if you have security and not freedom, right? You're in, but you can't get out. What do we call that? Slavery, right? And if you're out, but you can't get in, right? You're free, but you're insecure, you're unsafe. That's really not freedom. It's a different kind of slavery. But there's a paradox with security and freedom, isn't there? Like on the world's terms, it seems so often like we can have one, but we can't have both. We have to choose between security and freedom. Most obvious example, maybe some of your minds are already going here, the COVID lockdowns. Remember this? I'm sure you do, right? Uh, remember that? It was like, we got to keep each other safe. We got to keep each other safe. But then many people were like, but if I can't work, am I really safe? So I need to be free to work, but now someone else, are they forced to work? And they feel like they're going to get sick, they're unsafe. It just led us into this quagmire, this confusing thing. It's like, you, do we want security, we want freedom, what's more important to us? And who did we blame? Who did we get really frustrated with? <laughs> leaders, right? Because leaders are the means of access to these things. We could give so many examples of this. Freedom and security on the world's terms. It's so often impossible to have both. Like if you want the, the freedom that comes with financial security, right? The freedom that comes with financial security. Well, often the like American definition of that leads a whole lot of the world into unjust working conditions, right? So it's like this, this game, you know, that we all get forced into and it just so often seems like an impossible paradox. And so what happens? What happens? Well, Vulnerable people, vulnerable sheep, they turn to leaders who promise both security and freedom, right? Just entrust one to me for a little bit, and we'll give it back, we promise, wink, wink, <laughs> right? Just give one to me for a little bit, right? Bad leaders, we know this, make people more vulnerable. Bad leaders make people more dependent. And your, your brain may be going all sorts of places, but let me give you a really close-to-home extreme example there was a girl that came into the church office, a young woman, uh, about uh, two months ago. And she was very disturbed. And I met with her and she claimed to be uh, demonically possessed, demonically oppressed. And she was extremely disturbed and she had dropped out of college. She lost her job and was about to lose her home. And she said, Pastor, I need to get on a bus and go to San Antonio because there is a man who said if I give him $900, he can deliver me from this oppression. See it right there, right? Security, oh, I'll give you freedom, I promise. I said, girl, <laughs> that is a stranger. That is not the voice of Jesus. That is not the voice of Jesus. This girl wasn't even a Christian, right? And that story, thankfully, uh, has, has worked out well for her so far. But we all know this, right? Like vulnerable people are preyed upon by bad shepherds who prey upon our need for freedom and security all the time. But there's also like strong people. There's strong sheep, right? Like that man in San Antonio. 
right? And what they do is they try and eliminate their vulnerability. They try and eliminate their vulnerability by seeking power and authority because they think, well, at least I can have security and freedom for me and mine at the expense of you and yours. The reality is we're all vulnerable. To be alive is to be vulnerable. We're all vulnerable, and so in different ways, we get caught up. We get caught up in this game that the Bible calls the world, and it's antithetical to the kingdom of God that Jesus brought. So we find ourselves, so many of us at different times in our life, either ravaged right, by some selfish leader or system or person that we trust in, or settling for less than the abundant life that Jesus promised because our trust muscle is torn. And the kingdom of God, the righteousness, the joy, the peace of the kingdom of God, it rests on trust. Being able to trust Jesus and trust one another. And things get bad when our trust muscle is torn. We, we find ourselves desperate for a way in, desperate for a way out, desperate to belong, desperate to be free, and we'll do anything, desperate for a door, but increasingly unable to trust. Let's talk about Jesus' social context for a moment, okay? In Jesus' social context, the options were, uh, on the one hand, the, the Pharisees, they played it safe, okay? The Pharisees played it safe through rigorous obedience to the law. Then you had the Sadducees, another group of leaders, and the Sadducees played it safe by compromising with Rome. But you had another option, the freedom guys, the zealots. And the zealots were those who were like, let's take up arms and take our land back, right? They wanted violent revolution against the Romans. Security or freedom, take your pick, choose your party. You can't have both. Jesus says, verse 7, those who came before me are thieves and robbers. This word thieves here is the Greek word kleptes, which is fun, klepto, right? Uh, but the, word, the other word he uses for robbers is interesting. It's the word lestes, and that's only used one other time in the Gospel of John. Do you know who it's used of? Interesting. Barabbas. Remember Barabbas? Barabbas is the man, he's condemned to die, to be crucified. And Jesus literally takes his place. He's released. Jesus is condemned and crucified. Was Barabbas like a home invader? <laughs> was he a burglar? No. He was an insurrectionist. He was a zealot. He was an assassin. He was a highway robber, right? And the people wanted Barabbas. They liked his way. They liked his door, not Jesus. They didn't like his way. They said, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. These are the leaders in Israel's day. you got scrupulous, exclusive Pharisees. You've got corrupt Sadducees. You've got murderous zealots. Jesus says thieves, robbers, strangers. These are those trying to lead the people to follow their way to their so-called kingdom. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the door. Those that climb in another way are leaders that reject the way of Jesus. All right? Those that climb in another way are leaders that reject the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus that he is, that he embodied when he washed, he became a slave, like a slave, and washed the feet of his friends, of his disciples. And he died a slave's death 
for his disciples, for his sheep on the cross. And we have to see here, no matter how well-intentioned any leader is, if they do not die to themselves and become like a slave, they will become a thief. If you don't take life, or if you don't give life, you will take it. Instead of being a door to the kingdom of heaven, you will slam the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces like the Pharisees did. The clear example we have here in this text is the Pharisees, right? They discounted the one. Who cares about the one, the blind man? Kick him out. They discounted the one for the many as opposed to Jesus who leaves the many, who leaves the 99 to seek out the one at great cost to himself. That's the clear example we have here in the text. Because as I sat with this, I began to see that this climbing is far more subtle and far more pervasive in our culture than we often see. In our culture, like, the cardinal sin is to not be climbing. The cardinal sin is to waste your potential, right? The cardinal sin is to not maximize your influence, to not be busy trying to stand out or at least keep up. That's why we're so ageist in our culture, right? Who can learn from an old person? They're not climbing anymore. Unless they're one of the few who's climbed really far, maybe I'll listen a little bit. But this is why we're so ageist in our culture, right? If you're not hustling, if you're not busy, what's wrong with you? What do I have to learn from you? And don't hear me saying Jesus wants us to waste our potential, okay? It's not what I'm saying. He says to be his disciple literally means to bear fruit, to bring glory to his Father, right? But the motto of our culture, hurry up and matter, Hurry up and matter, hurry up and matter is light years away from the way of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What did Jesus do for 91% of his life, if my math is correct? 30 of 33 years, what did he do? Here's the answer. We really don't know. When he was a 12-year-old, we have one little story. It shows he was reading his Bible a lot, <laughs> okay? Other than that, we know he was a carpenter, maybe? Stonemason? They're arguing about that. We're not even really sure. In Nazareth, okay? He was not busy, in a hurry, trying to maximize his influence. In fact, once he began his ministry of seeking and serving and saving his sheep, he went viral pretty quickly. How did he respond to that? Ooh, we got to capitalize on this. No, no, he didn't do that, did he? No, he went to be with his father. Jesus, Jesus prioritized fellowship over fame every day. Fellowship over fame. He continued to make that choice every day. Fellowship over fame. He was not building his personal brand. He wasn't at that. He was seeking and serving his sheep, and he is our example. He is our example. So you know what? Be a sheep. How's that for a countercultural message this morning? Be a sheep. Some of you are like, I don't think that's right. You're right. It's not right. Be his sheep. Be his sheep. Don't get it twisted. Don't be a sheep that listens to strangers all day. Podcasts, cable news, no time for the voice of Jesus, just no boundaries, content all the time, right? Don't be a sheep. Be his sheep. I don't want to be your pastor's sheep, 
We're just sheep too. We are sheep that have a job to feed other sheep, and it's supposed to be messy. A lot of somehow gets famous, which is dumb, okay? And then don't provide fellowship. I lost my words, okay? Don't listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Listen to his voice so you know how to recognize strange ones. Strange voices because they're everywhere, and a lot of them represent the name of Jesus. Jesus was warning the leaders, the shepherds of Israel. Most people in, in Jesus' time, they saw themselves as sheep. That wouldn't have been a controversial message. We're like, we're oh, the Romans, and the, you know, we're just getting tossed to and fro. Our culture is like, everyone can be a shepherd. Everyone be a shepherd, right? You're all shepherds, and we all end up like zombie sheep. Be his sheep and let Jesus make of you what he will. He's got all eternity to work with you. Whew, okay, for me, for me personally, uh, Jesus has been challenging me to, to pause like dreaming about the next thing. Next community I'm going to start or plant a church or like whatever. Like just pause that, okay? And slow down enough to actually name, like name specifically my limits and my boundaries. Turns out I have those. I didn't know that until I was like 31. <laughs> uh, limits and boundaries, right? Like, can I name who and what I am responsible to? And who and what I am not responsible to? Like, can I clearly name my little fold? You know, my little kingdom, my little garden. Can I actually name that so I can be faithful to that? Because you know what Jesus says, to the one who's faithful with little, I will entrust more. That's why those who climb and try and get more that Jesus hasn't given to them yet, what do you when you take something you haven't been given? A thief. A thief. So we take something God didn't give us and we call ourselves blessed. It's like, wow, you stole the attention of a few thousand people on social media. Well done, good and faithful leader. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might just be a thief. Some of us were like, I don't like this. I don't like being called a sheep. I don't, <laughs> that's not what I am. That's not what I am, right? Well, you're in great company. Remember Peter. Peter didn't want to be a sheep. He said, Jesus called me a rock, not a sheep, right? And he, he tried to take the kingdom of heaven with a sword. And he almost took a man's life, cut a guy's ear off. Jesus wasn't there. Man, would have gone really bad. And then within a few moments, he's denying his master. He fell flat on his face so hard, he just went fishing. He's like, I'm done trying to be a leader. I'm going fishing. I'm done. And what does Jesus do, the good shepherd? He seeks him out. And he says, okay, Peter, now feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter became his sheep, and Jesus gave him a job to do. And Jesus has jobs for us. No matter how old you are, wherever you're at in life, Jesus has jobs for us. He wants us to lean into responsibility. He wants us to rule our little kingdoms well so we can sync them up with his and he can trust us with much for all eternity. All eternity is not just all fold sitting around resting. It's going to be better than anything we could dream of in this life. But we always must remain his sheep. Why is our culture so riddled with anxiety? We wake up every morning and there's like 50 million doors. Right? It's like 50 million doors. What am I listen to today? There's so much content I can't keep up. What am I going to scroll? What am I going to stream? Right? Today, all so many things trying to lead us to some other way. 
or it's just entertainment to distract us from the fact that we're falling short and we're not glorifying God the way that we could. Listen, there's only one way. There's only one door, one way to be saved, one way into the kingdom of God to salvation, one way into the fold, one way into being the kingdom mom, the kingdom dad, the kingdom coach, the kingdom business leader that Jesus has created you uniquely to be, and it's by being his sheep and prioritizing fellowship and hearing his voice. This is the way of Jesus. Jesus, the shepherd who became a sheep. Jesus, the shepherd who laid down his life, who was led like a sheep, like a lamb to the slaughter and literally opened up the way for us to follow. That's why we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We keep our ears open to Jesus, lest we become blind guides leading others to destruction. What does Christian mean? You guys know? Little Christ, yeah, little Christ. I was thinking about this. We're to become like little doors. Little doors leading others to Jesus. Little doors leading others to salvation. Jesus' presence, Jesus' voice is our security. Jesus' presence, Jesus' voice is our freedom. It's true. We can become so secure, so free in Jesus that others feel more free and more secure in our presence. Others sense, wow, there's an open door here when I'm with this person. Like, let's, let's prioritize that. You know what's even, this is really cool. Jesus resolves the paradox of security and freedom. Can't have both. On the world terms, no, you can't. But Jesus, we can become so free and secure in our spirits with Jesus that he can enable us, even at the right time, to lay down our freedoms, to lay down our worldly securities for the sake of the kingdom of God. Have we forgotten that? It is, imp- it is a paradox. It is impossible on the world's terms, but nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Friends, how many of you are desperate for a door this morning? How many of you are desperate for a door this morning? A way out. Maybe you feel stuck in an addiction. Stuck in a dead-end job. Stuck in busyness. Trapped by that busy schedule stuck in anger, stuck in a broken relationship, and you're desperate for a way out. You're desperate for a door. Others of you might be desperate for a way in this morning. You're looking for, you're feeling like you're on the outside looking in with those you consider friends. You'll never make it in. You'll never make it to the top of that ladder. You simply, you'll never belong. You'll never matter. You're just too weird. I've been there. Are you desperate for a door, a way out, or a way in? VCC, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. He is the only one who can give freedom to a prisoner with a life sentence. He's the only one who can give a deep sense of belonging to a man cast out of his community like the blind man. He is the only one. So he might not lead you out of that situation right away, but he can make you free. He might not give you exactly what you want right now, but he can make you secure. Just start. If you, if you haven't, if you don't know where to start, just say every day, first thing when you wake up, before your head hits the pillow at night, throughout the day, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. I'm your sheep. Preach that to yourself. I'm your sheep. 
You will take care of me with Jesus. All you need to do is be a sheep. All you need to do is be his sheep. No one needs to teach you to do that. Sheep don't climb. Goats climb. Okay? Sheep don't climb. Sheep don't do tricks. You don't need ten steps from me on how to lay your life down and become a sheep. It's what we are. We just don't need to pretend to be anything more than that. He is our shepherd. He knows your name. You're not a stranger to him. He cares deeply for you. He loves you. He will make you lie down in green pastures. He will lead you beside quiet waters. He knows your name. Trust in him. He laid down his life for you. You will be secure. Trust in him. He laid down his life for you. You will be free. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're middle-aged, if you're old, if you're a great-great-grandparent and you're watching online because you're not mobile enough to, to come in anymore. He sees you even if no one else does. He cares for you. He loves you. It's not too late to be his sheep. Don't be a stranger. Don't listen to strangers. Be his sheep. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy toward us. You love us so much. You sent your son to be our good shepherd, to lay down his life for us that we might be redeemed, that we might be restored to the fold, to know fellowship with you, to know freedoms, to give up our established securities, to wander out into the unknown, to the mission that you've called us to, make, mature, mobilize other apprentices of Jesus, more of your sheep to be salt and light in our community. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the story that we get to live in. Thank you for giving.